Well, I'm not in charge of the overall roster, so I'm not. I'll, I'll give my way in and weigh in on where everybody is. But I'm, I just my point to that thing is that, that we've never had a conversation about that, and I've been. We talk about everything on a daily basis, but that's never come up. So, I, and I understand how it comes up because we're one in six, and Joe's a veteran player. But that doesn't matter where you are. That's going to be speculation, no matter what team you are and where you are, who your older players, and just it's kind of the nature of the sport we play. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. What's happening, everybody? Thanks for joining us on Gold Faithful. Uh, we're here with you once again to talk about the 1-6 six 49ers, six straight losses. Oh, man, the, how this season has gone. Uh, I'm Brian Peacock. You can follow me on Twitter at BDPeacock. I'm here with Nick Winkler. You can follow him on Twitter at Bay Area Wink. Always we're on iTunes. Subscribe. It always helps if you review the show and uh, subscribe to it. And we're on SoundCloud and everywhere you find great podcasts. Also, if you want to hit us up and you're not on the Twitter, you can hit us on the email at goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. Nick, um, one in you six know, 49ers. Before we get too deep here, this may be the first time as a 49er fan that I've ever actually been excited for a bye week. I was like, okay, yeah, this team needs a little bit of a rest. You know, they, they, uh, they've they been gotten their butt kicked six games in a row. You know, they've looked bad. They And it's the way they've been doing it, too. I mean, th- this past week, it showed it yet again. They came out, they look great, you know, on that opening drive. And then, you know, a couple drives later, they score again. It's like, okay, all right, this is what we've been waiting for. They're at home. This is going to be a good game. And then wheels fall off. And it's just, what was it, like 20 one or 27 unanswered points like it was just painful to watch and so now it's like okay got a bye week we can sit back and not have to put ourselves through this torment again yeah you guaranteed no loss this week right and we haven't been able to say that at all this season um and you know and the schedule doesn't get any better i mean is this team gonna win anything they, they get the saints at home and then they gotta go at arizona and then they get the patriots at home then they gotta go cross country at miami then at Bears, I mean, I guess that's a winnable game, but it's still cross-country. You have the home game against the Jets. That appears to be yeah. winnable. But then you go at Falcons, at Rams, and then home against the Seahawks. None of those are for sure. None of those right now would I chalk up to, to a win. I just can't. This is not a good football team. No. what I mean, what is winnable anymore with the 49ers? We, we've kind of used that term a few times on the show, and that was what last week was. Right. And they were spotted a 14-0 lead. And still, against a team they should beat at home. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Saints play awful at home. That Week 9 matchup, I mean, the Saints are not a good team right now. Um, they can put up some points. Uh, they have Their defense is really hurting them big time, and they, they always play a lot better in New Orleans than they do on the road. And so that's another winnable game. But to, no game is winnable. I mean, that needs to be out of our vocabulary right now. I think we've <laughs> seen what this team is and how bad it truly is. And it's from a personnel side, and the coaching is not helping at all, which is really sad to say after what we went through last year and what we thought might have been an improvement in the coaching side of things. Um, and really, it's it's uh, I, I don't and I don't have a problem with that. To be honest with you, I don't want another W all season long for this team. Right. The best thing that can happen for the 49ers franchise going forward. I mean, it's I mean, forget playoffs and talking about crazy stuff this year because that doesn't matter. If you lose six games or you lose one game, it doesn't matter. You're going to have a losing season. So get as much draft capital as you can from this current situation to improve yourself later. That's the only positive that can come out of this season while developing some young talent that might that might still be around 
when the team is good again. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot. Uh, there's next to zero star talent on this team. There, there's some good players, but there's just there's zero depth. There, there's just nothing. You know, one guy goes down, Bowman goes down, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst defense in the history of Russian defenses. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, that's really just one guy that went down. Yeah, there's been a few, you know, guys missing here and there. Uh, but, but I mean, let's be honest. That was kind of the key of their entire defense. I went and I looked at, at tackles and, and Antoine Bethay is the giant is the, the 49ers leading tackler right now. And that's a safety. I mean, that tells you that, you know, these running backs are getting, they're running through the defensive yeah, line. They're, they're to the running second through level. the linebackers yeah. and they're making it all the way back to the safeties. This is a team that's averaging, giving up over 185 rushing yards per game. That is unbelievable. I mean, there's 11 teams in the league right now that are giving up half of that. Yeah, game. It, I mean, this is bad. And you, you know, you said it. it it's it doesn't matter if it's one, uh, or, you know, one loss, or if it's six losses, or if it's nine losses, or you know, if it's well, I guess one loss is, is definitely a good thing. But if you're not going to make the playoffs, go out, restock, get a good draft pick, go out there, get some talent. Later on in this, we're going to take a look at your shadow draft that that you've done the last three or four years, and, and take a look at, at some moves you would have made compared to what Trent Balky made and. Balky has just not been very good. There's been a couple hits for him, but, but there's been a lot of misses. Yeah, this is going to be a very bulky, heavy episode. And I, ha- I should mention, I had mentioned at the top that we have a couple of guests on the show with us. Steve Berman, also known as Bay Area Sports Guy, is going to join us. And uh, Kyle Madsen from the Niners Wire. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about uh, personnel and where this team is and, and who needs to stay, who needs to go. And looking forward to talking to both of those guys. You you mentioned depth a minute ago, and that's what's crazy. When you start bringing up Trent Baalke, no team has had more draft picks than the 49ers under Trent right. Baalke in the last four, four or five years. And they not only do you not have, you know, Pro Bowl talent, you don't have a lot of you have a lot of dirty starters, right? There's guys. I mean, obviously, you have to start 22 guys. So someone has to start, right? But the kind of dirty starters, you don't even have really high-end starters and you have no depth with all those picks. That's unforgivable. Right. And 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 the 49ers have how much room left under the cap that they did not spend yeah. in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, a perfect example is Ian Williams. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to re-sign him to a five-year contract or extension. And then, oh, wait, oh, he had a little off-field injury. Okay, let's restructure that to a one-year deal and boom, released. Yeah, he's like, been released now. That's that must yeah. th- that ankle injury is just done, I guess. Because I want to know how he hurt it. Yeah, because it's a non-football injury, right? Non-football, something, they, it, they, yeah, working he, out or something he, in the offseason? Every article I've read is just like it. You know, it's unspecified how the injury occurred. Mm. Maybe washing yeah. his truck. I'm telling you, he, yeah, Jeff he, Kent he was on a dirt bike. <laughs> he was popping wheelies down the road. I'd like to see Amy Williams on a dirt bike. <laughs> Some serious shocks on that thing, right? To keep him yes, from bottoming that's, out. That's, that'd be more enjoyable than watching 49er football. That right would now. be hilarious, to be honest. I would watch a video of Ian Williams on a dirt bike, hurting his ankle, bottoming out, like trying to jump some tabletop jump on his dirt bike. I'd rather watch that <laughs> than the 49ers right now. Oh, man. Hey, so I, I know that there's talk, too, of Chip Kelly wanting to slow down the offense, and that makes perfect sense. It, all I got to say to that is it's about time. I mean, I, <laughs> they're averaging, you know, what, four and a half yards a play. And it's just, they, they, they just, they don't look like they're in rhythm. They just, they start well and then they just, they've got nothing. You know, it's like they, they come out, they've got these plays. They're like, this is, this is what we're doing now. And then I don't know if we, we mentioned this week after week, if it's just 
they don't make the adjustments, you know, is that it? I mean, the defenses on the other side are like, oh, okay, this is what they're doing now. And then the 49ers keep trying that, or then they fall back on their old stuff, the stuff that the other team is totally prepared for. And it just, it just looks like no matter what they're trying out there, you know, after like the middle of the second quarter on and all these games, it's just nothing works. I've been known to run a really slow offense. <laughs> and I wanted to just kind of set the tone for how things are going to be here in San Francisco. Yeah, you know what? It's it hasn't even hasn't even been as fast as I thought it would be. And uh-uh. if so, it's kind of a vanilla situation. And if you're not going to wear a defense down by going fast and really start getting on a roll, then slowing it down is. I don't think slowing it down helps Chip at all. I mean, I, I think, think that's part of his right offense is it has to go fast, right? We saw the fast offense. It was that opening drive on Sunday. You know, they were out there. They were going fast. They were, yeah, and they were completing passes down the field. They were, you know, converting third downs and they were moving the chains. And then they scored a touchdown. And like, that's what it should look like. Yeah. But how many times have we seen that this year? Once. That was it. That was all. Awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. I was blown away. I was like, okay, here it is. Let's roll. Let's roll. It's unbelievable that they had fewer yards passing then opponents are rushing against them. I mean, that's mm-hmm. an insane, that is like the textbook. That's Has textbook. that ever happened before in a that, full season? Yeah. I did, there's no possible way you can win games with that formula. I just, uh, right. to, to the, the most basic thing you need to do on defense before you can start worrying about your sub packages and worry about anything else, you have to stop the run. If you can't stop the other team from running, it's game over. And that's been the hugest, I mean, for, Forget the chip stuff. He doesn't have a lot to work with. His quarterback, his wide receiver situation is as bad as any team in the league. The defense is really – that was where the strength was supposed to come from. And you would think stopping the run would have been one of the their their strongest suits as a team coming into the season. And I know Bowman hurts, but finding linebackers that can tackle is not the most difficult thing personnel-wise in the NFL to find, right? So if you're not yeah. drafting quarterbacks and you're not drafting wide receivers – and you also still don't have a nose tackle and you don't have middle linebackers. Why? What's going on? You know? Yeah. What, what, what's bulky thinking? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. And I, I'm at this point, I mean, you know, you've, you've heard the Joe Staley trade rumors. It, it, it's time, right? I mean, why would we keep this guy around and just kind of let him languish in this, you know, with his bad football team when he's a pro bowler, he's a fantastic player. You can get something for him. Why would you not trade him? Oh, you have to. If you're getting a, especially they're talking about a first round pick, I would dance in the street if they were able to get a first round pick for Joe Staley right now. You have to do that. Um, you know, Tory Smith has been another part of the rumors we heard from Chip at the top of the show there uh, discussing the Joe Staley stuff. And who knows if they're just rumors or just people, you know, kind of throwing it against the wall, seeing if it sticks, but it makes total sense. I mean, there's really, let's think about it, three plus years. Four, I mean, we're talking about 2020. Mm. Who's going to be on this roster in 2020 when the 49ers are good? If it's a complete rebuild, right? Which it looks like it might have to be. Um, they they have some pieces, but I mean, Joe Staley's not going to be a part of that. You know, he'll, he'll be 35 plus years old. Tory Smith yeah. will his contract will be done, or he'll be in his 30s sure. by then. Um, even Carlos Hyde, with as banged up as he's been, his running style, um, the shelf life of running backs in the NFL. If someone's willing to throw down draft picks for Carlos Hyde, I trade him too. Yeah, and I I feel like that's the kind of thing you have to do because. You know, when his contract is up, he, he's going to get money in the free agent market. That's just what happens with running backs. You know, after they, they get that first contract underway and they actually perform well, yeah, even with his his injury history, if you can run the ball, somebody's going to throw 20 or $30 million at you, maybe 40 and I don't think the 49ers should do that because the guy can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. But back, back to the Joe Staley thing and, and talking about getting draft picks and, and even for Torrey Smith and things like that, 
it, none of that matters if Trent Balky is making the draft picks. Right. No, that's a great point. If they, if they, if it's a fire sale situation, they're obviously also saying, okay, Trent, you blew it. He would have to be, he would have to be the first domino, and then, yeah. you know, whoever takes over would would have to be the guy to 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 sort of get as much as he can, and then they'll figure out who actually the long term GM is going to be in the off season. But Chip is going to stay, so we have to evaluate Chip. They're not going to pay another coach to not be here and he hasn't really had a chance to show what he can do the, only, the 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 number one thing i've been worried about here is seeing the same play over and over again because if i can notice it sitting on the couch i'm just a guy uh, you know defense coordinators are all over this so they they know what to expect and um and when you saw how each year his offense has worked a little bit less since he came into the league in 2013 and we saw how the 49ers offense ran with with a dual threat quarterback in 2013. I think the league has figured a lot of that stuff out, right? So he's got to readjust. And so we need to see some of that. As bad as the 49ers defense has been, I think that scheme puts some pressure. I mean, and that's been the big knock with with especially like the old school crusty veteran NFL guys are like Chip's offense will never work because it puts too much pressure on the defense. And it, it does put a little bit more pressure on the defense. But some other teams run fast too, you know? I mean, the Patriots are the one of the best teams in the league and they have been for a long time and they like to run fast. Um so the defense is still its own thing, and it still has to get off the field, and you still have to be able to stop the run in the first quarter, right? So like, they're not worn down when Jaquiz Rogers, who was on the street a few months ago, is is racking up 100 yards in the first half of the game. That's You can't say that, oh, we were tired, right? right so right. the defense has to show up and do some things on its own. Um, it's gonna So, so Chip's going to be around. So the question now becomes, does Trent stick around, and does Jim O'Neill, has he shown enough to stick around? No, those are the I, questions you have to answer the rest of this season or even yeah, during this Yeah, you know, I'd week. love to, to, to ask our two guests that question. I mean, just from a personal standpoint, I, I can't imagine keeping both guys, right? I mean, I can't imagine keeping either guy at this point. The defense looks so bad. And in Balky's track record, I feel like he's been, you know, they've been talking about firing him for the last two seasons, at least. It's funny because he was like the golden child for a while. You know, he was executive of the year and the team was running well. And now it's just come so full circle on on Trent. And, and, you know, since 2012, he's made so very few good personnel moves. It's mind-boggling, actually. You know, it, one way to look at it is he just made a lot of bad investments. You know, he went after a lot of these guys with ACL problems, knee problems, injury problems, you know, personal problems. <laughs> and, and, and none of them have paid off, you know. And so this guy made all these long-term bets, and now it's time to cash in those bets. And what? How many of these guys are still even on the team or even around or even have a possibility or even in the league anywhere? Do you think that Chip Kelly is sort of uh, – do, do you think he could put his ego aside and maybe say, oh, you know what, maybe this – this you know, my scheme is kind of built more for college game and maybe I need to go back or maybe this organization is just crumbling and I need to get out of here. Do you think there's part of Chip Kelly that would say, you know what, maybe I should – not, you know, maybe not wait to get fired or maybe not wait to see what happens in the next couple of years. Maybe I need to go and jump for one of these huge, you know, because that wouldn't be crazy yeah. to me if Chip said, you know what, I'm just going to go take one of these cushy college jobs. And, you know, th- this is a bad situation. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the guy built a, a pretty huge legacy at Oregon and, and then, you know, it started off so well in the NFL. And like you said, it's just it's been downhill ever since and there's some really big college football head coaching positions that are available right now and i'm sure if the right school came to him we're like look you know we have all the faith in the world in you we'll pay you a ton of money you know come over here let's win again 
You know, that can't be fun what you're doing right now in San Francisco. Right. You just don't have the talent. In college, you go get all your own guys. I don't think yeah. there's any doubt that he could have his choice of any college job he wanted in this offseason, no matter how he, no, no matter how the 49ers do this year. He could have right. any college, you know, just like Jim Harbaugh was able to, you know, I mean, he obviously was able to go back to his alma mater. It's kind of a perfect fit there. Um, but I think Chip could have any job he wants. Yeah, and at this point, I mean, I have no problem with him leaving. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm not the guy in the corner that's that's raw raw for Chip right now, but I also don't think he's had any bit of a chance. Yeah, uh, I, that, I think you're exactly right on that point. And you know, we we compared it, you know, in the off season, lots of like, wow, it just can't get any worse than Tom Sula and this and that. And I mean, it is. It's oh, gotten worse, and it's a personnel thing. I mean, that that's abundantly clear that he doesn't have the tools around him to to run the system that he wants to run. And and you know, they don't have the tacklers on defense that can withstand uh, basically playing, going and sitting on the sidelines three plays later, you're back on the field because that's happened a lot. And, and these guys aren't built for that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's tough, man, because I, we just can't, we just can't evaluate chip right now. I don't yeah. think. And it, it, we need a, we need another full year. And then let's say you draft a quarterback and you draft some young receivers. Well, they need time to develop. So now you're looking at year three of chip before you even know really what what's what what you got. Yeah, and you say that, but at the same time in in this NFL, you know, you look at Dak Prescott, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at Carson Wentz, you know, you look at a lot of these young quarterbacks that come right into the league, you know, just figure it out. And and I know that there's there's many many more guys that come in and fail yeah. than there are, you know, that 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 come in and look do great like that, but <laughs> maybe maybe Chip has a little more say in the personnel and says, well, look, this is my offense. This is what I run. This is how I did it at Oregon. Let me go get a guy that can run my offense that I know is going to do well in this scheme. And, and they, they give him a little bit more say. And, and maybe you know, maybe he gets some receivers that, that run the routes that he likes. And I don't know. I, I, I have no problem with Chip coming back next year. Again, I don't put this on his shoulders. This is, this, to me, this, is all, this all goes to York. You know, this well, still obviously, is all yeah, the, the York's one, fault and all it's like a, that champagne waterfall thing where it all kind of trickles down. <laughs> That's the one like, thing that is the most important and it's the, the the one thing that that we can't change, you know. Right. That that won't ever change really the way it looks. And I mean Jed York and Trent Balky still have they've still not done a sufficient job of explaining why Jim Harbaugh is not the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers right now. I mean, there's still stories out there we haven't heard. I'm a little disappointed in this the the local media and not pulling all this stuff out because it's still very ambiguous what really happened there. Um, and maybe, you know, we, we should probably, it's about that time to get Steve Berman on because maybe ha he has some stories here and some insight about uh, some of this stuff that's going on behind the scenes. I, I mean, are Jed York and Trent Balky buddy, buddy, are they like together in unity with this whole thing? It's them against the world. Or I wonder if that's like going to start to splinter a little bit as well. Cause you can't be one and six with a half empty stadium and be okay as an owner of an NFL team. You just can't. All right, follow him on Twitter at BA Sports Guy. He, of course, is the Bay Area Sports Guy. Steve Berman. Hey, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, guys. Glad to be on. Hey, so, oh, man, we, uh, first thing I said on this show tonight was I've never been so happy to have a bye week in my entire life as a 49er fan. <laughs> is there any way that this ship can be righted? Or is there any bright spot to the rest of the season? Oh, you just kind of fell off there. I, I figured maybe there was another sort of grass. That I could have just, I could have, yeah, I could have kept going all night with that. <laughs> uh, I would say no, because I don't see what exactly 
the plan is. I don't see how they can build any sort of offensive continuity without Carlos Hyde, who just gets injured every four weeks. It, it almost, it seems like it's clockwork. And uh, the, probably the, the two guys who we all talked about right before the season sort of as the building blocks, and let's see if these guys do some. Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, and I think both of them have had good moments, but is, they're definitely very far away from being every down just juggernauts like we saw from Justin Smith and even Ray McDonald back in the day. So uh, I don't know. It's not like there's any young guys in the wings that aren't getting a shot that I think should play more. I, I really don't understand what there is, what their plan is at this point for the rest of the season. I don't think they're going to trade anyone. Maybe they trade one guy. I, I don't know. I, I'm just at a loss. And uh, I think the bye week comes at a good time just because everyone needs a little bit of a break. I mean, when you, when you are up 14 nothing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and lose uh, a million to 17 or whatever it was, uh, it's time to st- take a step back. Yeah, at home, too. I mean, that, that was the, the worst part about that. And, yeah. And another thing, I mean, you, they did go up 14 nothing, and we kind of saw – on that first drive, what we were expecting kind of coming into the season. Like, okay, that's what the Chip Kelly offense is supposed to look like. And we did see it, and that <laughs> it was ever so brief, and it was so beautiful, and it was like a unicorn, and we tried to grab it, and, and it got away. And, I mean, is it just that the, the defense that can scheme so easily that, you know, they, they got to do it once, and then it was like, okay, we know what they're doing now, and, and they've been doing this every week, and we let this one get by us, and – I mean, is it just is it just the same play over and over? Brian talks about that a lot on this show. Like it's it's it, he feels like it's the same offensive play. They just keep running. Yeah, I think they're I think they're a little bit too predictable. And without a quarterback, that's a real legit NFL starting quarterback. And I think right now I've seen enough of Kaepernick. I don't think that he's a guy who, with, unless he has just a dominant running game around him. You know, Frank Gore in his prime and that offensive line from 2012 in its prime. And then it's just a tremendous defense like the 2011, 12, 13, 49ers in their primes. I, I don't see him doing a whole lot unless he just has a whole lot of good stuff around him, which he really doesn't right now. And I think he made a few good throws early in the game, and then it just went away. And I think what we saw last year with Cap was, you know, Kaepernick actually, I think, even though it was in total garbage time, it seemed like he's made some good throws against the Steelers in that blowout loss, and people were wondering if maybe – all the work that he did in the offseason was going to pay off. And then he kept getting hit and hit and hit and hit, and he just seemed gun-shy. And from there, his game was completely ragged, both accuracy-wise, decisions-wise, and everything. He started taking some hits in that game against Tampa Bay, started losing some fumbles, and next thing you know, you're looking at a guy who's not throwing, completing 50% of his passes. And so without a real quarterback, because Gabbert's terrible, <laughs> so I mean, at least Kaepernick has some promise. I don't really know what Chip Kelly's offense can bring because it really does look like, just like Chris Brown wrote for Smart Football, or I guess for the Ringer, it's it's kind of a predictable offense. It's just built on executing really well and quickly, and they can't do either right now. The, yeah, the whole thing's a disaster. Obviously, the defensive side of the ball, is it's one of the worst defenses we've seen here in San Francisco in my lifetime, and they're, they're about to set a record for uh, allowing – running offenses against them which is which is a sad state for that was kind of the staple of this team and and coming in you thought maybe the strength of this team would be the defense and hopefully chip would be able to coach him up on the other side of the ball to make up for the personnel but if the defense is going to continue to be this bad jim o'neill i mean you can't allow 
this is an NFL team, right? You cannot just sit back and allow <laughs> the league to run on you like they are. So if, if let's put it this way, if Bay Area Sports Guys appointed president of the 49ers tomorrow, who stays, who goes for you, and when does that happen? Well, uh, Trent balky has gone. Uh, and the minute that I signed the dotted line, he, he's out because mm-hmm. when you spend this much time on, on defense and end up with a defense with this little true talent, then, you know, what exactly are you doing? I mean, you're obviously afraid of drafting receivers. You're afraid of drafting quarterbacks. So let's see an awesome defense. I don't see that. So balky has gone. In terms of uh, the coaching staff, I mean, I think you probably have to work with the Yorks a little bit. I don't think they're going to want to go uh, three, you know, two straight one-and-done coaches. So with Jim O'Neill, I think I'm not sure really where you could have expected anything better out of Jim O'Neill. I mean, he was a guy who floundered with the Browns and was really just a sort of a backup candidate when Mike Vrabel said no. And, you know, I, I guess maybe if, if I was the president, I would probably try to find a better head coach than, than Chip Kelly at this point, just a proven NFL head coach. Maybe Chip Kelly has it, maybe he doesn't, but I think that any new GM would want their own coach. And I don't think Balky got his own coach, so maybe that would be his one beef with what's going on here. But, yeah, the defense you were talking about for a little bit there, it's – it's pretty amazing watching some of those runs. I mean, one of those uh, long touchdown runs, I think it was from uh, Barber, where, you know, DeForest Buckner was just pushed off of the TV screen. And Ballore has been playing because of uh, Navarro Bone being hurt and, and other problems with Ray Ray Armstrong being hurt, middle linebacking core is shot. And he, he gets pushed around all the time, too. It's, I, mean, I guess I, I guess one big story that I'm wondering about right now, and it's kind of timely because Ian Williams was released today, was how much did they really count on him to sort of anchor that defense? Because he was a great run stopper last year. They were ready to give him a five-year deal, and then all of a sudden this weird ankle injury surgery happened, and then it turns into a one-year deal, and then every single person with a brain knew he wouldn't play this year probably. And I think that just was the entire, you know, I guess sort of plan for their run game was Navarro Bowman will be awesome and Ian Williams will have it all handled up front and let the young guys kind of do their thing. And without him there, they're just awful. I mean, the worst run defense I've seen, pass defense, they're okay. But, Lord, I mean, just a team with Patrick Willis in its prime and Justin Smith, you know, watching those guys, seeing them defend the run now is just, it's just unbelievable to see. Yeah, that's it, what's crazy is that injury happened during the free agency period earlier on. So before the draft, they they knew, and during free agency, they knew about that injury. And obviously, uh, Dorsey was already hurt, so they couldn't count on him. So it's surprising they didn't really do anything. So they must have expected Ian Williams would be back a lot sooner, right? Maybe they did. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I mean, usually with a lot of this stuff with the 49ers, it seems kind of transparent. And that's kind of one of the sad things about this organization lately is that we can kind of predict moves before they're made, bad moves, and just because of what we've seen lately. But this one, I don't know. I mean, there's a story in Santa Clara that hasn't been reported yet about the Ian Williams thing. What was known when, what was expected, and also I think that you know you saw what they did. They extended Quentin Dial and they extended Tank Carradine. I think they expected both those guys to be sort of foundation pieces as well, and and maybe even sort of help along guys like Armstead and Buckner. And that really hasn't happened. I think I think Dial played pretty well in the first game of the season. I don't remember him doing really much of anything since then. And Tate Carradine has done nothing this year. I mean, yeah. really, legitimately nothing. I think maybe a hurry here or two, but it, they, you know, they they wanted he was you know obviously an outside linebacker in college. 
they want to make him a down lineman, and they want him back as an outside linebacker, and then they somehow they give him a, a contract for what reason? I'm not really sure. I guess it's because Balky loves his drafted players. I, I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm sort of talking in circles here and rambling because this defense is really confusing. I mean, this is a, a front seven that used to be the best in the NFL, mm-hmm. even better in Seattle's. Seattle had a better secondary, but the Niners had a better front seven. And now you're just looking at, especially with Bowling Con, really just a front seven where you're just like, wow, they're just, they're not strong, they're not fast. What are they exactly right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's heartbreaking to watch, Steve. And, hey, you know, uh, we took a look at the remaining schedule, and, you know, there's a couple games in there that I feel, you know, the 49ers could fall into a victory. But I, I, I we're, we are unable – to call any of them a winnable game at this point. Do you see the 49ers winning another football game this year? Yeah, they'll, they'll luck in a win or two here. They'll probably win the last game of the year. It seems like every time they're terrible or the last you know decade plus of York ball, they always win the last game of the year to try to send the, the, the fans off on a happy note, even though the fans are all going, tank, tank, get a higher pick, tank, tank, get a higher pick. <laughs> or they're not in they're the not stadium to about, see it. Yeah, they're not talking about Carradine either. And so I think that <laughs> – with the with the the loss against Tampa Bay, I mean, really, Tampa Bay's not a good team. I mean, no. <laughs> we all watched that game. We all saw the 49ers go up fourteen nothing, and it made sense. You're like, Tampa Bay kind of sucks, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess their defense kind of uh, you know got a little stronger as the game went on. They have Mike Evans, who's you know twice the receiver of anyone the 49ers have, but still, I mean, you're looking at the, so many bad penalties and. Jameis Winston with a stupid personal foul when they're in the red zone. And like, okay, Tampa Bay sucks. They should win this game. And I, I totally expect it. I told my wife, like, well, they're going to win this game. I mean, I expected them to anyways. They've been so much better at home over the last couple of years. And then they just completely crumbled to the point where you kind of wonder if they're tired because of the lack of depth or the way that Chip is coaching them, or they're actually even sort of just kind of giving up because – you don't really see just such a, a pitiful effort in the second half of the games like you have against Buffalo and Tampa Bay unless there's some sort of problem going on. Yeah, when you see a team fold like that, they've been so awful in the second half of games. It, to me, it just is, it's all coaching, and it points to coaching big time. Um, and so, it, I, I mean, I agree with you. Balky probably gone out the door if I'm in charge. Jim O'Neill, too. I mean, maybe see if one of these coordinators – or uh, one of the uh, position coaches can do something and, and you know spark something in these defensive players down the stretch, but then you, you start looking at next year and can the 49ers even attract a defensive coordinator under Chip Kelly because uh, v- Vrabel turned him down last off season. Um, you know Gus Bradley is a name that could become available, which which would excite me. But it, can they even bring in a top candidate? Is that even possible? No, I mean my prediction is they end up firing O'Neill and just promoting Jason Tarver is my guess. So they stay status quo with the team which, you know, according to the reports coming out lately, it seems like they very well might. Even Balky seems like he could very well be safe, although Tom Salou was supposedly safe near the end of last year as well, and we saw what happened there. Uh, Jim O'Neill, I think, is definitely not some sort of, like, amazing defensive mind, but I'm not really sure what anyone else could do with this group. I mean, I think their safeties are terrible. I think Eric Reed has been overrated ever since his rookie year. He was very, very good. He has not been very good ever since then. I can't believe he made it in the Pro Bowl last year. I don't know how the hell that happened. But they shouldn't even be playing. I mean, he's too old to be playing on a team like this. We should be looking at every single young guy. I guess, I mean, Tart's been dealing with some injuries and stuff, but he should be playing every down just to see what they have in him. He was, he was effectively almost a first-round pick. He was drafted so high in the second round. 
So, like, you're looking at with those guys, they put a lot of stuff in the safety, and they haven't gotten much habit. Their quarterbacks are okay. They have no pass rush whatsoever, and that's the key in the NFL. If you don't have a pass rush, then your quarterbacks all of a sudden don't look so good. You see Tremaine Brock get toasted a few more times than he should, and then if you don't have a pass rush, then – you know, it, it, and also, and then they're trying to worry so much about the pass rush that they're just getting run on like crazy. So I don't really know what Jim O'Neill could do differently that he's, that he's not doing now. I mean, Aaron Lynch kind of threw out the uh, we're the most talented team or one of the most talented teams in the NFL comment after the last game, which sounded <laughs> completely insane. But that's pretty much like a guy saying that the coaching is bad and the strategies are bad. But I don't know what defensive coordinator you can attract with the Chip Kelly team. And until Chip can prove that he's not going to leave his defense out in the field all the time, that his offense actually works, and who's going to come here? It's a sad situation, and I mean, to to me, it's it's obvious that Trent is going to be gone in the off season, and if you know, until they actually axe him, it makes sense that they're going to say that he's not going anywhere. But I assume he's going to be fired, and when he is in the off season, now you have. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of the, the leaks that have been going on with the with the 49ers front office, and I know you've reported on some of the stuff. And um, I'm interested to see the Jed versus Trent leaks. And you know, you know, Jed wasn't willing to pay for a blankety blank, and this coach or that player, or you know, who wanted what coach. That'll be really interesting to me. Do you have any uh, Do you have any ideas about how that would look? The Trent versus Jed <laughs> leaks. Yeah, I think uh, you'll Trent's guys. Uh, I think you know Dilfer would probably be key among them maybe although i think he still has some ties to jed i think if if that does occur then trend is going to let everyone know what was going on uh and he's going to i mean that's just kind of the way things go i'm not really sure what's going to what's going to come about trent i mean you know obviously we know he didn't really get along that great with harbaugh but the I mean, everything that's really bad about him maybe they'll say uh you know we you know the foreigners wanted him to be more out front with the media and wanted him to be more of a spokesperson, he wouldn't do it. Or, you know, maybe the coaching staff or Tom Sula's staff didn't like it when he was coaching the defensive backs and was coach Trent for those near the end of last season. But, you know, really the, the proof is in the pudding with Trent. I mean, you just look at the recent drafts. You look at uh, recent free agency. He was really good in free agency early on in, in 2011, 2012, uh, especially 2011. Since then, not so much. The drafts, if you're looking at a bunch of guys that they drafted, it's just a bunch of guys. There's no stars there, and so everyone is kind of kind of know about that. I'm still. I mean, I just figured if you're going to fire him, just do it now during the bye week. And mm-hmm. with these reports coming out saying that he they they believe in him, I still kind of wonder because you got to freaking love Trent Baalke if you're Jed York to say, all right, Jim Harbaugh, the only good coach that we've had since Steve Mariucci and by far the best coach that we've had since George Seifert, we're just going to kick him to the curb because of personality differences. And I'm going to choose, I'm going to sit there at the, at the state, at the desk with Trent and have one of the most insane, paranoid, fascinating press conferences (laughs) of all time, right after they fired Jim Harbaugh. And I'm going to have Trent Baalke by my side. Uh, you kind of wonder maybe maybe Jed is in such a bubble and so insulated that he really believes what's being sold, and he believes that, that Trent will get this team up and running soon enough. The fans will still be paying for their season tickets, and then once you know his young guys get going, then they'll spend their free agency. I, I just I just don't know. You, you figure that there would have to be a scapegoat after the season, but and I still if I had to bet money, I'd bet that Baldwin gets fired, but. 
I'm less sure than I was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's very interesting how that front office works. And when, just when you think you know what they're going to do, they, they kind of flip it on you. And to me, if you're going to promote within, whether it's Tom Gamble at GM or uh, Jason Tarver, a defensive coordinator, I, to me, those are guys where you kind of want to see him in action, especially Tarver. If, if he would actually be a candidate for D.C. after the season, I want to see him in action the rest of this season. And uh, that's yeah, a move I think you got to make. I, I would agree. Why not? I mean, what do you have to lose? You're one six and uh, and sinking like a stone. So yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. See, see what and I, and I wanted. Uh, I wrote a couple weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago now, that it's time to fire Trent Baalke is now because if you you know even if you don't want to hire Tom Gamble, make him an interim, or maybe you're just considering it, making him an interim and uh, see if it can maybe get done in trade. Because why would Trent Baalke trade? Right any of these veterans right now unless he knows his job is safe because otherwise you're just going to make the team worse and then you're going to have your resume on your resume a, a, a season with maybe even fewer wins if you, I mean, if you trade Joe Staley I mean this team has no other tackles so I, I, I don't know it just, it just seems weird if you're going to turn the page turn it now and I guess the Yorks like to do it after the season but yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see more movement immediately, but they they don't do any sort of movement during the season usually that means anything. And they, they last year was when they were terrible. Is okay, well we uh, we reassigned Prague, and everyone thought, oh well, Prague got got whacked. You know, he, he obviously he's not in favor of the Yorks anymore. And then we found out no, he was put in charge of some soccer responsibilities, and he has all the same football responsibilities he did before. It was just something they did. Just to like make the fans shut up and stop flying banners over the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's look, and the big thing for me is like, do you, do you think we will ever get the true story of what went down behind the scenes with Jim Harbaugh? Tim Kawakami on Twitter yesterday kind of hinted at some quote unquote unbelievable occurrences that happened behind the scenes there. Um, they have yet to be reported fully. Do you have any uh, insights? Anything like that? I would. I mean, that's got to be a true story, and we I know for a fact that we don't know the deets yet. And so when were you going to hear about what really happened there? I don't know when, but when stuff is this juicy, it'll definitely come out at some point. And, uh, yeah, I've heard bits and pieces here and there and and things, but yeah, it's, you know, maybe Harbaugh writes a book, maybe, uh, (laughs) maybe someone like Tim, you know, takes everything, you know, he knows and writes one and then, uh, you know, maybe like, uh, Jed commissioned someone else to write the uh, the other side of the story because he <laughs> disagrees with everything Tim wrote. Right. Yeah, the Prog papers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's too juicy. I mean, this team was was really really good. I mean, they never won a Super Bowl, which kind of takes away a little bit of their luster. But they were a fascinating organization with supposedly the quarterback of the future, and then it all fell apart really quickly and really publicly. So, it, but we still don't know everything, like you were saying. So it'll come out eventually. Follow him on Twitter at BA Sports Guy. He is the Bay Area Sports Guy, Steve Berman. Thanks again for joining us, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Can't wait for that Harbaugh book. I don't know how many years we got to wait for that one, but uh, it's going to yeah, be interesting. I don't think it'll come out while he's still at Michigan. I think <laughs> he's got not. too much to lose there Probably with not. recruits and whatnot. Come on. If you're out there, if you're listening, San Francisco media, please dig deeper. We need that dirt. <laughs> Actually, if you're on the East Coast, come on out here. Just come over. Yeah. Digging. Get an apartment and uh, figure this thing out. I got a good a cut here that that Steve talked about. We have the team, you know. We we have the team. We have we possibly have the best one of the best teams in the NFL easily, the hands down. We just we need to know how to keep finishing games and work together throughout the whole game, you know. So 
once we get that down, nobody's going to be able to mess with us. Well, we you just, say you possibly have one of the best teams. Is the we talent? Have, or, yeah, or? I mean, no. I mean, we show it in the beginning of the games. Mm. We just need to come out and finish the games. I mean, we have one of the best teams. We have easily the best team in our conference, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, he was suspended for uh, drugs of abuse, right? Right, right. So, has he been drinking there? What's going on? Wacky tobacco, probably. I don't know. That's uh, oh, yeah. It could have been, a, you know, a dig at the coaching staff. Who knows? But uh, I was I almost fell off my chair when I heard him say that stuff just because. Uh, he, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's almost delusional at that yeah, point. Right, exactly. But I guess, you know, in order to be an athlete at the, that high a level, you know, you just got to believe that you're the best, right? I mean. No, that's I mean, true. Look, we, we got to get to uh, Kyle here. So, um We'll talk a little bit more after this, but let's get to Kyle Madsen, and he's got some good stuff. He had a really cool article recently on uh, Trent Baalke for the Niners Wire. Sounds good. All right, joining us now, Kyle Madsen. He's a writer at the Niners Wire, part of the USA Today Network, also an editor at the SF Journal. And uh, it says, Kyle, i got to ask you about this. It says you, your Twitter bio here, it says you push buttons at KHTK and CSN. I actually did some uh, updates for traffic at KHTK. Maybe were you pushing my buttons at some point over there? Uh, I was not. I just okay. started there very recently. Okay. Uh, but I'm there on uh, I'm there on weekends, mostly just uh, UC Davis football and some stuff on the morning uh, on Sundays. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's a uh, good some good folks over there. I haven't met many of them in person, but I talk to them on the phone all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Good dudes. Uh, good dudes over at KHK. All right. So I got to ask you. The reason we wanted to have you on today is a fantastic article you wrote at Niners Wire. Um, it was called "The Definitive Look at Trent Baalke's Failings in the NFL Draft." And first, I just want to ask you, can you give our listeners a quick overview of your findings there? You use the AV value, which comes from profootballreference.com. And just what did you find here with, with Trent Baalke's drafts over the last few years versus what other teams have gotten production-wise from their draft picks since 2010 when Baalke took over from Scott McClune? Uh, in short, uh, Trent Baalke is bad at drafting. I know that sounds super, super simple and and very, very straightforward, but that's just what it comes down to. Uh, the 49ers production-wise have gotten average to below average drafts at best over Trent Baalke's tenure, and you just can't have that when you're trying to sustain a, a football team, a successful winning football team. And Trent Baalke's drafts, like I said, at best they've been average, at worst they've been non-existent. Uh, 2012, for example, the year they took A.J. Jenkins in the first round and the Michael James in the second round, that netted them an AV of five. Like, average players do that in one year, and that's what they got from their entire draft class over three seasons. Like, that's unacceptable. Oh, that's crazy. You just, can't, you just can't have that. And if you're a guy like Balky in a position where the 49ers are saying, look, we're building a team through the draft, uh, Prague Marathe has called it uh, called it getting goods at, at like wholesale prices instead of paying top dollar in the free agent market. You go through the draft, get people on their rookie deals, and try and extend them at a cheaper rate. But you can't do that if you're drafting bad players, and that's what Trembalti's right. been doing. Yeah, I feel like uh, I mentioned this earlier in the show to Brian. I feel like he, he's kind of you know, he, he started off well, I believe, when he first came into the season. He drafted well. He got some – and he also kind of fell into some good young talent as well. And then I feel like he just kind of started shooting for the moon. He started, you know, taking these these bets, these long-term bets, and then, you know, it was time to cash him in. And just, you know, none of them have really panned out. A lot of these guys that, you know, injury guys coming out of college is like, oh, you know, one or two of these guys are going to hit. But it just hasn't happened for him. Yeah, and that's been – you can afford to do that once or twice. Like you said, right. when he first came in, 
they had an established team. They were there. They were ready to go. They had the room to put these ACL guys on IR for a year and basically let them redshirt. But he just kept doing it while the team has gotten worse. And the lack of recognition ultimately to me, because the draft is a crapshoot. Sure. You're you're firing in the dark because you may have a guy. I mean, look, everybody thought Ryan Leaf was going to be the next big thing, and we all saw how that turned out. Uh, so the draft the draft is a crapshoot. The the inability to have the foresight though of saying, look, this roster is getting worse. We need to have a really solid draft. There's these positions we need to address, and he hasn't. That's that's a huge problem to me. They've had the retirements. A lot of people point to those, but they've had years to address those now, and they just haven't. And that's why, that's why ultimately, for me, it comes down to if Balti's not going to do that, if he's not going to do a full-blown rebuild and he's just going to keep tinkering with these little positions, uh, he's, he's got to go. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, let me ask you this. What's Balki's biggest sin? Uh, when you look at all these players that he drafted, is, is it just whiffing on players that he drafted completely, or is it throwing away picks on injured guys or just or not trying to add talent at a certain key position? What was the biggest sin there? That's a great. That's a great question. Um, I think ultimately, the completely ignoring the wide receiver position has been a huge problem, as as you can see on Sundays now. Uh, the 49ers have a lack of talent at quarterback, obviously, <laughs> but they've had a lack of talent at wide receiver since Terrell Owens left. Um, and then the you could you could say the same for inside linebacker. He's drafted Chris Borland and Nick Moody. Those are the two inside linebackers he's drafted. So the completely ignoring certain positions, I think, is is his biggest sin, and I think a lot of that ties into he's taking injured guys instead of guys that could be productive right away, um, and so forth. So I think it all kind of ties together. But ignoring, like I said, ignoring key spots is is his biggest sin. It's crazy because the 2014 class is the one that kills me because it was one of the best wide receiver classes in the history of the league. And yeah. he just bypassed on so many guys for so many rounds. And then when he did take a guy, it was Bruce Ellington, which is, you know, he was just – he isn't a player that I really liked coming out of college just because he was kind of built like a running back. You know, he's not much of a downfield threat, and he was athletic, but he didn't play to his athleticism. He looked – you know, and he's just never quite developed. And so the, the wide receiver thing is really unacceptable with with so many teams stocked up at wide receiver in 2014, and even 2015 was a pretty good year. Yeah, and the, a guy like Ellington is a perfect example. Ellington is the kind of guy you draft when you have your number one and two receivers. You've got those guys locked in, and now you just need some kind of supplemental help at that position. A guy that can be part of some packages, can do some fun things, like you said. He's very athletic. But they tried to bring him in as like an answer. And they've tried to do that at receiver and several other positions, and it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, hey, Kyle. So we, we've been talking a lot about on this show about you know who, who we feel – is most to blame for the 49ers' current failure? You know, is it Chip Kelly? Is it Jim O'Neill? Is is it injuries? Is it Balky? I mean, ultimately, I believe it's York. But you know, that's the one guy that isn't going to go anywhere. So, if, if there was one move you could make today to to make this a better football team, w- w- where are you going with that? Uh, make it today. That's going to make them better. Right like next right week. Right away. Right away. Or- yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just going forward, you know, like it, is getting rid of Balky now, you know, and just kind of. And bringing somebody else in to to get a half a year of experience going into next year is it uh, something that Brian mentioned earlier? Maybe you fire Jim O'Neill, you, you promote a guy from within, and just kind of give them a test at defensive coordinator. You know, something along those lines. Yeah, I guess. I guess if you're looking to make the team better today, 
uh, you're going to fire Jim O'Neill and bring in a different defensive coordinator that's going to try and do some different things with, with the talent or lack thereof that they have. You, we, we've seen Eli Harold dropping into coverage, and that's just something he can't do. Um, we've seen them blitzing with Nick Bolor. That's something he can't do. You can get away with that with Navarro Bowman because he's excellent at rushing the passer. Uh, Nick Bolor is not, and Jim O'Neill has not shifted his, his game planning at all to fit the personnel. Which, again, to his credit, is not very good. So if you're going to make a change that's going to help the team now, you're going to get rid of Jim O'Neill and see if you can bring somebody else in that, that uh, can maximize the talent a little bit better than he has. Uh, if, long-term, it's got to be bulky. Because this is a guy who's been there for several years now, and he, is, he has constructed this team as it is. The team's biggest failing is its lack of talent, and that points directly to bulky. And he's given no indication, for me anyways, maybe you guys feel otherwise, but for me he's given no indication that he can build a team the way the 49ers need a team built. I, I think that's a great point because it's he's had some gyms, and, and I think he did a great job as the number two guy under Scott McClune. But mm-hmm. asking Trent Baalke to be the trigger man and, and be the team builder, I think it's, he's shown that he has – some sort of a blind spot there, and uh, you know, if I'm an, if I'm a team president or a team owner, I hire Trent Balky as you know maybe the number two guy in charge, the number three guy. He's an old school scout, you know. Let him uh, um, do his thing and find some small school gems. And he's he's plucked one late round guy every season, and that's the one thing I'll give him. Aside from 2012, uh, in every draft since then, he's he's got a late round guy that's that's turned out to be pretty good. So he has some evaluating talent, but as far as putting a team together, I mean, you've seen what he did in free agency when they had all this money this year and just completely ignoring really important positions. You mentioned Chris Borland earlier. They He drafted Borland when he already had Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman inside, and then two of those guys retire, and then he doesn't draft another guy to replace either one of them. So that is just it's kind of mind-boggling. Just a big picture, I think, is where he, he truly lacks. Yeah, that's where not being an experienced GM or having experience in a front office, he's a scout. And like you said, he's excellent at that. But constructing a team, the, the big picture mindset that goes into that, he just doesn't have it. I, I totally agree with that. You know, he kind of has a smugness to him, which makes me, you know, when the team's going good, it's okay. And like Jed and Trent both kind of have this thing where it's like, I would, I, I feel like I would hate to, to wait on them if, at a restaurant or, you know, if they right. were like, if they it were sitting, even look you in the eye. Yeah. If I was bartending and they were sitting in my bar, I'd be like, oh God, not this guy again. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kyle, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, 2017. So looking ahead, depending on, you know, who our GM is, who knows, but um, who do you like? You see, you see some names in, in the college game that you like right now in 2017. How do you attack the roster in, in the rebuild that looks like the 49ers are going to have? Well, this is, this is super interesting. Uh, looking at this year's draft, because the Niners are going to have a top three pick. They may not win another game. They might wind up with the top one pick. Um, but that's where, that's where things get interesting, because when Kaepernick leaves, they're going to have something like around $100 million in, in salary cap space. There, any big free agent is on the table for the 49ers. Uh, you, you go look at a list of free agent guys, throw a name out there. Von Miller's going to be a free agent. That's an option. Chandler Jones is going to be a free agent. That's an option. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be a free agent. So free agency is going to obviously dictate how the 49ers go about the draft. Uh, when it does come to the draft, though, I see a lot of people have seen mock drafts. Every single one of them has them taking either Deshaun Kaiser out of Notre Dame or Deshaun Watson out of Clemson. Mm-hmm. I'm not high on 
I'm not that high on either of those guys. Um, if I'm if I'm picking one for the 49ers, I'm taking Kaiser, uh, just because I think his skill set's a little more well-rounded. Uh, the guy I really like though is Miles Garrett, and I know I'm not alone in that. I'm not yep. saying anything groundbreaking there. Yeah, I'm with but you. But I think for the 49ers, for the 49ers, Miles Garrett, if you if he falls, like I said, if they're number two or number three, if he falls to you at two or three, you have to take him. Like that's a that's a franchise changing type of guy. I feel like. I totally agree. I love Miles Garrett. I think he's no matter what defense you run, he fits there as an edge player. Such a huge difference maker. And and, and I'm with you on the quarterbacks. Uh, Kaiser has you know the, I think the more tools to work with. So I, I see why he would be ahead of of Deshaun Watson, who's who's maybe taken a step back this year or hasn't taken the step forward that people thought were hoping to see. I think if you're number one overall, it, it's a no doubt Miles Garrett right now. And obviously it's October. There's a long ways to go. It's a long process for the NFL draft. Uh, so to me, and, and I'll ask you if you think that, that you'd be on board with this plan. So I, I would look at if they, if he's on the board, miles Garrett, you go early in the first, then you hope, you hope maybe you find uh, a mid round QB this year. Maybe you hit on a guy, maybe you end up with Dak Prescott or you end up with somebody who can, um, who you, you luck into a guy. Oh, this is our future quarterback. Great. Uh, and if not the 2018, I, I think looks like a great quarterback class. You've got Lamar Jackson, who, you know, he's, he still has some work to do as a passer. Electric runner, has a ton of arm strength. He get, gets the Michael Vick comps. Uh, he's just such a fun sure. player to watch. you got Jake Browning from Washington. Josh Rosen's another guy who will probably be a high draft pick whenever he comes out from UCLA. All those guys are sophomores. And uh, 2018's looking like it could be a pretty good quarterback class and probably better than the 2017 class. So that's the way I'm attacking it from a big picture perspective. Are you on board with that? Yeah, absolutely, especially because that's the thing to keep in mind is Kaiser and Watson are both underclassmen. They may not declare. And if yep. one or both of those, those guys doesn't declare, this draft, this quarterback class could be one of the worst we've seen in, in a long time. Uh, but you look down the you look down the board uh, at these quarterbacks. You've got Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State. Uh, you got Chad Kelly out there at Ole Miss. you get Mitch Trubinsky at North Carolina. So you've got you've got some options, like you said, in the in the second and third round because the quarter the forty nine ers are going to be in dire straits quarterback wise. Uh, the best free agent quarterback is probably going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, so the, that's, yeah, yeah that's franchise quarterbacks be, that's don't hit not free agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And actually, I have a good one uh, for your uh, your editor over there at Niners Wire. Chris Biederman has been throwing out some good hashtags for um, for for different draft picks. There was the the Grin and Garrett, which I really I really liked, uh, but I had one I wanted to throw in, which is no risk it, no Trubisket for uh, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw that out there. I can go with it. I can go with that. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you, Kyle, coming on. That is Kyle Madsen. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle A. Madsen or find his articles at the Niners Wire. Really appreciate you coming on and talking 49ers with us, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Anytime. Okay, so not a lot of uh, rosy... No uh, outlooks for the 49ers, no matter really which way you look at it. At this point, it seems like the unanimous decision is you take your medicine and you, you, you hope that decisions from this point forward point to uh, a much better 2020 season, basically. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you, you just lose, right? I mean, that's the best uh, thing going forward for the 49ers, I think, is to not win any more football games the rest of the season. That's that's what I'm hoping for. And you, you hate for it to come to that, especially, you know, a bye week eight, you're going into week nine. This is when you're thinking, OK, let's which games do we need to win to make a playoff push? Right. And nope, it's it's uh, which games do we need to lose to get the highest draft pick possible? And that answer is probably all of them. 
Yeah, and, yeah, because there's mean, a couple other bad football yeah, teams out there. You know, you're going to be competing with the Cleveland Browns right. trying to get that top spot. Um, and, and winning the, a game right now would definitely – it might just put that out of the question. Right, and the, the 49ers always run into that thing with in, in a good division is their strength of schedule pushes them back in the tiebreakers. So if they're tied with anybody – Almost every team in the league, and it's been this way the last few years, is they're going to pick after the teams they're tied with in the first round because of that tiebreaker. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I kind of like just having a week off. <laughs> I'm pretty happy that <laughs> that we don't have to to sit and it, – it's just – you know, because we're fans, you know, so we sit and we want to watch the team do well. And then they start so well and then they just they crush us. And it's just and then we have to talk about it you know, and, and, and really just bare our souls to all of our listeners. And it, it's it's hard. It's hard work right. doing this every week with a bad, bad football team. And just like you, you said it earlier, I, mean, I haven't seen a worse uh, rush defense since I've been a 49er fan. And, you know, I've been a 49er fan for an extremely long time and I've never seen a defense gashed like this before. It's, yeah. it's painful. Not even 49ers teams, just any team in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, there's there every week there, uh, the record of runs or uh, rushing yards allowed keeps going back in history. And I think they're on the 1981 new England Patriots. Now is the, the, the last team to be this bad allowing rushing yards. And it, yeah, it's I mean, they're on pace to give up almost 3000 rushing yards on the season. That's horrible. It's nuts. Look, so, but before we go, um, we talked about the Shadow 49ers draft, and this is my thing I've been doing for a while since 2013. Uh, if anybody wants to go check that out, you can find it on my Twitter. I link to it occasionally or uh, leadingtheleague.com. This is not me saying, oh, look, I should be a candidate for GM for the San Francisco 49ers, right? This is putting into perspective how bad Trent Balky's drafts have been since 2013 when I started documenting these Shadow drafts. And I mean, I've been following along with the 49ers for a long time. And when I saw the 2011 and 2012 drafts go down, I'm like, oh, gosh, OK, I got to start documenting this stuff because I hate the thing where where fans and people go, oh, look, at this guy was drafted five picks after the guy we took, who's much worse. You know, mm-hmm. people are like, hey, Tom Birdie was in the sixth round. We should have drafted him. It's like, no, we, we nobody was going to, you know, you right. weren't going to draft Tom Brady. So this is for posterity. Someone who follows the draft is sort of a draft. Nick, I wanted to know exactly the one player I would have actually taken. So I could have been able to gripe if I didn't like a draft, you know? Right. And so I've been doing that. And uh, when, when using uh, Kyle's method of, of calculating the AV from pro football reference, and it's the results are clear. And this is like, this isn't again, not me saying I should be GM of the 49ers. This is me saying just a guy over here is clearly out drafting Trent Balky, <laughs> who is the GM of the 49ers. <laughs> Right, and you have proof, and I'm looking at it, and you sent this to me, and when I when you sent it to me, you know, we talk about it a lot on the show. We talk about, oh, yeah, you know, you your shadow draft, you mentioned this and that, and then I actually look at it, and, yeah, I, I just get baffled looking at, at Balky's picks. You know, how many CBs can I see on one guy? He drafts so many cornerbacks. He drafts, you know, so many guys that just aren't – I'm looking at these names. I'm, I'm seeing guys that just aren't even in the league anymore. It's There's rough. a ton of them. And I mean, and the, the other thing is it's humbling doing these shadow drafts because you realize how often you do miss. And then mm-hmm. and so um, you're going to miss a lot. And so yeah. that's not the crazy thing. It's just that when you look at how hard you miss and how often you hit and the guys you hit on, are they making, you know, a, a difference on your team? Are they making a difference in the in the NFL? And and you mentioned corners. The crazy thing is, is I've drafted three really good starting corners in the league. Right. And it got Xavier Rhodes was my first ever pick. It was the Eric Reed pick, first round 2013. Um, I drafted uh, Philip Gaines in 2014. He's the starting 
corner. He's had some injury problems, but he's a pretty good player, starting corner over in Kansas City. And then in 2015, the Jaquaski Tark pick, second round, I took Ronald Darby, who's mm-hmm. a fantastic young starting corner in uh, Buffalo. So, I mean, all the picks that Trent Baalke's used on the defensive backfield, and I struck with three picks that are right. as good or better than what the 49ers are rolling out there. And just, I mean, and that's not even to start on the wide receiver position. Yeah, I was going to say, let's take a look at Keenan Allen and yeah. Jordan Matthews right. as a couple of wide receivers. Yeah. That you Martavis well. Bryant. I mean, obviously Martavis is suspended and, and Keenan Allen is hurt, but then I would still have three or four wide receivers that I've drafted that are, and that's the other thing is I'm drafting for the 49ers roster each year. So, I mean, if I'd have, if the 49ers drafted Keenan Allen in 2013, you don't have to go back to the first round and draft Jordan Matthews the next year. You know, you don't have to keep, Drafting right. high wide receivers, you just got to get a couple of them. Then you can move on and draft other positions. So, like every and year, you draft- just can't. Yeah, uh, my but I mean to keep this short, we don't need to talk about this for hours. But um, my favorite pick I've made is Brandon Williams. In 2013, mm-hmm. he was my third round pick. Uh, same pick that the 49ers used on Corey Lemonier. Uh, he's small school guy out of Missouri Southern, and I loved this guy coming out. He's a bowling ball. He's a wrecking ball. He plays nose tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, and how awesome would it be to have a legitimate nose tackle right now uh, just just plugging things up in the middle. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a good one of those. Yeah, and uh, obviously the Ian Williams injuries hurt even more. And looking at the 2016 team, it, what kills me now is seeing how bad the linebackers are. And, of course, that Joshua Garnett pick, Miles Jack. I mean, who didn't want Miles Jack with that pick? I mean, it was a no-brainer. He fell all the way down. Uh, so much athleticism that we're lacking at middle linebacker would be a perfect person to pair next to Navarro Bowman or whoever plays on the stronger side. And then uh, I drafted another middle linebacker out of Missouri, Kentrell Brothers, who had a, was a tackling machine in college. He's playing behind a bunch of really good linebackers for the Vikings, so he's not seeing the field a lot. But, I mean, it would be awesome to have a couple of linebackers, the young linebackers yeah. right now. You, you uh, take a to look play. at, the, you know, 2015, 2016 draft, even 2014 draft. You know, Chris Borland was the only linebacker drafted in those three drafts. And and that's just unacceptable when you have a guy like Navarro Bowman who has the, you know, there was no guarantee he was coming back from that injury. And yet where where are they stockpiling the, these linebackers, you know? Yeah, I agree. And even it, – it's funny because Trent Baalke is so much better at picking fifth-rounders than he is at, at two through four, right? I mean, Aaron Lynch, right. he found in the fifth round, he's the best edge rusher he's drafted. He drafted Eli Harold and uh, and Corey Lemonier in the third round, and they're both not that good. I mean, Lemonier no. is not is terrible. He's not playing at all for anybody. But um, it, the amount of snaps that Eli Harold has, has taken for the 49ers this year, he's gotten a lot of run, and he's just not a productive player. He's not a difference-making guy. And he... Trent Baalke has not hit on as many starters and quality starters as he has needed to to keep a team good, to to, to produce a good roster, especially if you're not going to add any free agents to to your roster. Uh, rounds one through four, it, it's just he, he has not gotten it done. Um, and so, so here I mean, we are, one proof, and six. Right, the proof is in the pudding. I think it, it's time to move on. Uh, I wouldn't mind him moving on now. It might not be until the end of the season, but – Unfortunately, the the tone of these podcasts going forward might continue to be, what's the clock on Balky? What's the clock on Jim O'Neill? It's a sad place to be for the 49ers, but uh, some changes are ahead. They have to be. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And, you know, this like we've mentioned multiple times, it's a perfect time for a bye week. Give everybody a break from, from, you know, getting our hearts broken week after week. We're going to take a break. Unless something huge happens next week, uh, we're going to take next week off and, and we'll come back at you. Uh, before, right after the 49ers uh, lose to the Saints. 
Yeah, well, actually, you know what? We don't, I don't think we have to do a podcast next week, even if something big happens, because we can do that right now in 30 seconds, right? Ready? Three, two, <laughs> That's one. That's true. Well, that was crazy. Uh, they just hey, fired hey, everybody hey. in the entire building at, in Santa Clara. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that if someone's fired next week, I don't even think we have to talk about it, because I think it wouldn't be very surprising at all. There actually, we go. Yeah, it probably would happen in the next couple of days, though, before they got too deep into the next week. But anyways, yeah, um, if the 49ers, look, they, they've shown some – some some signs and if, if they could figure out what's going on in the second half of games and, and come up with you know uh some counter punches to what teams are doing in these games and and see more of what we saw for the first quarter against the buccaneers right, right. that first drive and that that's what that's what yes it was like yes that's it that's the thing we wanted to see that's what we expected to see at its height with chip kelly and, and colin kaepernick in this offense so maybe they can string some of those together that number one pick, man. That's what I'm eyeing right now. Amen to that. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to our guest, Steve Berman, Bay Area Sports Guy, and Kyle Madsen over there at the Niner Wire. Twitter, follow me at BD Peacock. Follow Nick at Bay Area Wink. iTunes, subscribe, review the show. Email goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. And we will talk to you after that Saints game. After the Saints loss. See you.